Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help. Legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 301 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we celebrated the 300th episode of this podcast. Woohoo! Something we definitely did not envision when we started it 15 years ago. Our good friend Adriana Linares interviewed Tom and me and got us to give listeners a behind-the-scenes look at us and the podcast. A big thank you to Adriana for that. As we work our way toward the end of 2021, we decided this episode would be a good one to return to our theme of personal productivity and share some of our favorite personal productivity tips to help you plow your way through your to-dos before the end of the year. 12 of those tips to be exact. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing our favorite personal productivity tips. In our second segment, holy cow, we've got a listener question. We're going to answer a question about uh, how new podcasters can help plan to keep their podcast going for, say, 15 or so years. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, 12 tips on personal productivity. And again, I'm in charge of counting, so Dennis doesn't try to sneak a few more in. We covered to-do tools in episode 298, so if you're interested in tools, we recommend that you start there, although I may try to sneak in some to-do tool tips myself. I may also try to sneak in some productivity tips that apply at work as well as in your personal life. In any event, think of these tips as hacks that you can use to improve the way you work or the way that you go about your personal day. Dennis, let's get started. What's your first tip? Well, my first tip is is something I've discovered over the years, um, and I call it the waiting category. So a lot of times you're thinking like, oh, I have this backlog of things. There's things I'm ready to do. There's things I'm doing. Uh, but there are, there are things that show up on your to-do list that you really can't do anything about because you're waiting for somebody else to do something. Um, and that can take many different forms. Somebody may need to call you, uh, email you, uh, reply to something, send you information. And you may keep those on your to-do list, and it feels like you have a lot of things uh, to do. But, uh, but there's those in the waiting category aren't really anything that you can do about, um, except maybe to you know, to send out a reminder in a few days to somebody or a week later, whatever. Um, and so I like putting those kinds of things into the separate category called waiting. And then they don't clutter up my actual to-do list, but I don't forget that I'm waiting on somebody. So I don't, essentially what I'm doing is I'm avoiding burdening myself uh, by treating something that is on somebody else's to-do list as one of my to-dos. So if you think, so that's, that's my tip is, is to kind of explore this notion of this waiting category. And I think you'll find there's a surprising amount of things that you think are your to-dos that are actually someone else's. All right, my first tip is a very simple one, and it is eat the frog. 
when we think about the tasks that we do on an average day, if you look at your to-do list for the day, um, there will likely be one, maybe more, but at least one task on there that you really don't want to do, something that you might be procrastinating about, something that's either long and hard or difficult or challenging. And and sometimes you will do every other task on your list just to get around doing it. And and it's But it's important. It needs to get done. So we call that the frog. The frog is the most important thing. So identify your frog at the beginning of your day or when you're doing your planning. And then first thing, eat the frog and do that hard thing first. That's what it really means is to take the hard task, do it first. You'll be amazed at how easy or at least more productive the rest of your day feels when you get that one thing that's a block in your mind, something you've been procrastinating about. When you get it out of the way first, the rest of your day will open up and be a whole lot better for you to work through. So my next tip is Kanban boards, uh, which I've really grown to like in the the last few years because they're visual. So you can have three columns. I actually have five columns, but typically classically three columns. So sort of uh, the things that are your backlog, the things that you're working on and the things that are done. Um, Another common category is something called ready. So if if you go to Tom's Eat the Frog thing, then what I would do is on the Kanban board, because visually I could see what category things are in, um, I might put in my doing category for that day, that frog item, and then put everything else as the ready to do. So it's just that one thing sitting in the to-do column and, and take that on. But what I like about this approach is it's visual. Um, you can, and you can move things, uh, from one category to another. So once you finish, you know, something that you're doing, it goes into the done category, then a ready item can go into the, into the doing category. And I also like the fact that you see, uh, instead of crossing things out, you see in that last column, the things you've done. And for that gives me uh, a better feel for of, of accomplishing things than just uh, scratching something off or, or drawing a line through it. So it's a nice visual mapping tool, and, and it creates this motion to move things through your day and to, and to, uh, to get them to the done category. All right, my next tip is about routines. We all have daily routines, weekly routines, monthly routines, things that need to happen periodically. How many of you actually schedule those or put them on your to-do list. Um, a lot of these tips that I'm going to give, I, I, I struggled with not bringing the technology into it, but but I will, I will do that to the extent that I will say having a tool that helps you with this makes it so much easier. Um, I've set up my to-do list so that I have a separate task list for my daily routines, for my weekly routines, for my monthly routines, for my quarterly annual routines, and I've set them up to fire off every day or every week or every month or whatever that period happens to be. And those are reminders of the things that I need to get done because even though they're a routine for me, I don't always remember to do it. And I like having it there so I can go through it to make sure I did everything for the day. And so I think that part of this is to say, don't assume that you you know and, and, and will remember all the routine stuff have a way to account for it and put it into your task management system. So my next tip is, is something I call triage, and it sort of means what it sounds like. So in the morning and then usually after lunch, I take a look at my to-do list with uh, some fresh eyes, and I say, hey, based on what I'm seeing today, like other things that are going on, my energy level, um, 
you know, interruptions I've had, uh, you know, different ways of thinking about things. Uh, let me triage this list and say, what actually has to be done today? What can be moved off to tomorrow or a later date? And so I just kind of refine to say, what is it realistic to do today? Um, and if I, you know, start the day and say, oh, there's 12 items on here, then my triage would be to say, I'm not doing 12 items today. You know, um, it's going to be six or it's going to be three or something like that. And I do the triage to say, OK, what really needs to be done? And so that element um, is super important to me uh, because it it lets you interrogate the task and say, is this really a today thing? And why do I think it's a today thing? Well, here's where we realize that our tips are actually pretty close to each other and what we were trying to get done because I didn't realize that that's what triage meant. So I'll do, and it's interesting that it's my next task. Um, and, and it's, and it's a variation on Dennis's theme. And that is, um, because there is no way that you're going to be able to get all the tasks on your list done, identifying that five, six, ten, whatever number of tasks it is, um, is important. And the way that I've chosen to do it in my task management system is, is that my tool that I use allows me to create a separate filter so that I can say, here are my priority one tasks that I want to get done today. I, I, I rank mine from priority one to priority four, and I, and I have a list of priority one tasks that are the critical stuff that I really need to get done for clients, for other types of work, things that absolutely have to get done. And then I also have on that list at the and I and I limit that to a certain number. I can't I don't want to make it more than four or five tasks because otherwise I'll just get overwhelmed during the day. But down below that, I will I have what I would call to be sort of my priority two tasks, which are things that I'd like to be able to get done. We'll talk a little bit. I'll talk a little bit later about time blocking and about how you set aside specific times of the day to do certain things. These are things that I might like to get done if I have that time. So I can. It's it's the little things. It's the little tiny things where you know checking in on a client or do, having a one on one with somebody and, and talking to them about this. Um, it I like being able to divide up into both kind of the focus of my day and then maybe the secondary priority. And then all the other tasks, they're still on my list. They're just something for another day. And having that filter really makes you be able to focus on a single day rather than staring at a list of 30 or 40 tasks. Yeah, I think that's great. And in my second brain project, I'm the notion of, of setting those sort of one, two, three priorities levels has come back into my thinking as well. So uh, my next tip is, uh, I think, a really important one. And it's, I, it's, I think of it in two ways. So one is uh, making a clear distinction between projects and tasks, and then what I call chunking, so chunking projects into tasks. So a lot of times, we, what you have on a to-do list, especially things that never quite get done, like getting your oil changed or, you know, renewing your license plates, um, things like that will stay on your list. You never actually get them done until the, to the last minute. And so in the classic David Allen getting things done approach, what you have on your to-do list is not tasks or actions. What you have are projects. So projects are something that that are uh, a collection of different tasks. And so uh, if you can chunk, if you can recognize things as projects, collections of tasks, then chunk them into the individual tasks and then put those individual tasks on your to-do list, 
then you actually can make a lot of progress on those things. So say that, you know, I want to get an oil change. It's not really, my task is not, you know, getting the oil change. The first step is going to be like figuring out how to call, how, who to call and set up an appointment. And if that's on my task list, that's something I can knock out uh, at a given time. And then everything kind of flows from, from that. But if I kind of take the big project, you know, the classic write book on your to-do list, that doesn't work because it's too much. You just need to kind of chunk it into actual tasks that can be done. Um, and then that's made a huge difference for me. All right, a term that sounds like chunking but is different from chunking is time blocking. And it's something that I've been using, maybe not exactly the way that it's intended to be used, but I've been using it more to help my day. And the reason why I needed it was I found that um, people were claiming parts of my calendar because they saw that it was open all the time. And um, I was I wanted to use that time to do and get some real work done. Um, and I was losing out on all that time because my calendar was open. That's what got me turned on to time blocking, although time blocking isn't specifically for that purpose. The idea behind time blocking is that instead of having all of these things split up into different pieces during the day, like I'm going to check my email and then I'm I'm going to call clients and I'm going to work on this contract and then I'm going to do some marketing and then I'm going to do this is that you set aside specific blocks of time during the day to do those activities. Um, and so you focus on those activities for that period of time. Once you're done, you move away. You set a time in the morning to do your email and a time at maybe at noon and maybe in the afternoon to do your email and then you don't do it again. And then it helps you focus on those times and, and, and focus on those specific activities for that specific period of time so that um, it tends to let you help not get distracted with things because I've seen where you move from one thing to the next and it's easy to get distracted by giving out bigger chunks of time to dedicated activities. Um, you will tend to be more productive. You'll tend to get that stuff done sooner and uh, you'll have a lot more peace and quiet to yourself because hopefully nobody's bothering you during those times. Yeah, there's a similar approach that I, I like to use called power hours, where you just kind of set aside, uh, you know, an hour uh, for focus. And Pomodoro is kind of the, the minimal approach to that. My next tip is the personal quarterly offsite, which we've talked about. This is like kind of my biggest finding of the last five years and something I use a lot and has really, really helped me. And that is, uh, and so the idea is that in this sort of classic Eisenhower, our, our, uh, our Covey approach of this category of important but not urgent that we never spend enough time on. Um, the personal quarter offsite says, I'm going to take a half, uh, half a day each quarter, at the end of each quarter I do it, and just devote some time to the stuff that takes a little extra time to think about and to capture ideas and make decisions about going forward, set bigger priorities, strategies, that sort of thing. I've been doing that for a while. Almost everything I'm doing comes out of these now, and I have some, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of new approaches, a lot of new projects uh, come out of these things, and it's just like a really simple, straightforward way. And I've come up with a, an approach that I, I really like, and I've written about it and, and talked about it. I have a course 
course on it and uh, just an incredibly helpful thing because it forces me to take time uh, to that important but not urgent uh, uh, category because otherwise the urgent stuff will will drive out any time that you have uh, to pay attention to these bigger uh, bigger things. Okay, so if the personal quarterly offsite is the macro, then I'm going to take it down to a smaller micro level and take a look at reviews on either a daily or a weekly basis. Um, I was in the habit of waking up in the morning or sitting down at my desk in the morning and thinking, what am I going to do? And I would think about that for the next 30 minutes to an hour, and by then I'd lost part of my day. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that I'm doing these reviews. So the review for me, I take 30 minutes on a Sunday, and on that day I have a list of things that I want to go through. I go through all my email, I have any email that I've got, I triage it, I turned email into tasks. I will look at, see what needs to get done. I will go through my calendar for the entire week. I will decline meetings that I know I'm not going to go to. I will, if, if I see that there are conflicts, I'll start trying to take care of the conflicts right then, but I'll look at my calendar for the entire week. I'll, I go through my downloads folder. I've downloaded stuff all week long and I go through that folder and file it in the right place. I keep notes in OneNote from client meetings and other meetings. I go through those notes and see if there are any open to-dos that I need to capture there. That's what my weekly review looks like. And then the last thing I do is I look at my task list and I time block for Monday. I don't time block for the whole week, but I time block for the first day of the week so that the minute that I walk in the next day, I'm in good shape and I'm ready to get started. Likewise, at the end of every workday, I do a shutdown, which is me saying I'm walking away from the desk. I'm not working anymore, but I spend 10 to 15 minutes. The benefit that I have, I probably don't get as much email as a lot of you do at work. I have the benefit of being able to get to inbox zero every single day, but that's what I do. I go through my email. I file away into folder stuff that I know I don't need. I turn into tasks, the things that I need to pay attention to the next day or, or later. I update my task list. I time block for the next day. And again, I'm ready to start the next morning. Doing those either daily or weekly reviews has made me so much more productive. And it also makes me feel comfortable going into the next day because I know what I'm going to do and I can mentally prepare for it ahead of time. Yeah, I love that tip. I mean, to take at the end of the day to kind of look at your to-do for the next day is is just so helpful. But your approach is so complete. I, I, I really like that. I may steal some of those ideas. So my last tip is the big one for me, which is get stuff out of your head. So I, a lot of times you find that you're stressed, overwhelmed. You just feel like there's too much, not enough time. It's because you're carrying it all in your head. And so what I try to do is get everything out. And especially if I do feel that sense of being overwhelmed. So even if I were to write down like in a notebook, like a hundred things that were floating around my head that I thought I needed to do, the mere fact of putting those down on paper or, you know, uh, putting them into a Word document or second brain, uh, my second brain in Notion, to get them out of my head so I can look at them, it always seems way more manageable. And I will look and go like, mm, no, I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to worry about forgetting this. I, and I can just tackle the stuff that's bothering me the most. And just that simple 
simple act of getting out of your head uh, to me makes a world of difference. I will say the one thing that's hardest for me about that is, is that I get these one-off things that happen to me while I'm, you know, I'm walking through the house or I'm walking with the dog or I'm doing something and it comes to me and being able to either talk to, talk to one of my Google Nest hubs and say, Hey Google, let me talk to my task manager and I can quickly add a task or being able to do it with one touch of a button on my phone is another good way to get it out of your head is that I can do it quickly and easily and then I don't forget it because that's that's where it happens to me most is I have a great idea or I have something that I know that I need to do and then it passes and I've totally forgotten about it. Anyway, so my last tip is um, I'm, I'm going a little bit more into work and, and there's a whole set of tips we could talk about. There's the whole this uh, about meetings saying that, you know, this meeting could have been an email. Um, I have some definite thoughts about that. I think that there's a lot of meetings that could be emails, but I also don't think that I've also been part where I've tried to communicate by email and the communications were so bad that the, the we wound up spending more time talking in email than we might have ta- spent in a meeting. So, you know, I think there's an art to knowing about that. But here's where, to me, personal productivity comes in. And this may be hard if you're in a practice uh, where you're meeting with clients lots of time during the week and doing things, which is... Try to schedule a single day where you get most of your meetings done. And, and, and it might be that you try and make one day out of the week where you get your internal meetings, meetings that you have with your staff or with people that you work with and that you get things done. And the reason for that, I've, I have started to do that, not started, I've been doing it for a couple of years now where I manage a group of consultants and I'm, I have one one-on-one with each of them every week so I can catch up on what they're doing and we meet for 50 15 to 30 minutes every Tuesday, and that's the day that I meet with them. And otherwise, they're on their own, they're doing their own work, and I'm doing my own work. And I appreciate that because I can know that that's going to be the day that I might not get as much real work done, but I'm going to spend more time catching up with everybody in the organization. Find a day where you know that. That way, you can then dedicate the rest of your week, the rest of your time to other types of work. Um, Because meetings tend to take a lot of time, um, try and find a way to uh, combine them if possible. Yeah, let me just add one little variation on that. And so what I do is, as a morning person, I just decided lately that uh, if I'm going to have meetings, they're going to be in the afternoon. So if anybody asks me what my availability is, it's always going to be after one o'clock on any given day. And I keep the mornings for myself. So that's that's another uh, another way of kind of putting meetings in their place and reserving the most productive time of day for yourself. All right, and that's 12 productivity tips in almost 24 minutes. So we about got two minutes a tip. That's not too bad for us. Um, we will probably do more tips like this in the future. I had a great time coming up with them. We'll talk about it more in an upcoming episode. But for now, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's Legal Translation Service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that, and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages, the Spanish Group translates in over 140 languages. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, 
all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and this episode will feature an audience question. Remember, the podcast has a voicemail box for listener questions at 720-441-6820, and we love to answer your questions. This one is from Matthew Kerbis, and let's play that now. Hi, this is Matthew Kerbis, and my question and idea for you for the 300th episode is since you are the longest continually running legal tech podcast to tell us what's your secret sauce? Because I'm about to launch a podcast called Law Subscribed at Law Subscribed on all the socials. And uh, I'd just love to, to hear what your advice is to new podcasters in the legal journalism, legal tech space. Also, it'd be great if you could cover subscriptions in legal practice for the 300th episode. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Tom, we're sort of uniquely qualified to answer this one. Do you want to start? Sure. So I want to first say, Matthew, sorry we couldn't talk about this on the last podcast. We didn't catch it until just beforehand, and we decided to save it for this episode. But we're glad we could because we can spend a, a little bit of time, it, it give us time to think about it. So my first tip that I have... I am not sure will help you uh, unless you plan on having a partner. I don't think I could have lasted 300 episodes without a partner who I enjoyed and liked to record it with. We've been able to split things up over the years. One of us got busy or couldn't focus. That's been me a lot lately. If it was just me, I might have not made it to 300 a, a while back. Um, so I think having a good partner or alternatively – do something we don't do often enough, and that's have a lot of guests. I think that I think that having guests is easier than doing the podcast yourself. I think the work is uh, uh, the work is in getting the guest and thinking up good questions. But then the guest does the rest of the work, as far as I'm concerned. So that's why some of my favorite podcasts are the ones where we have guests. Um, I think the next tip is. Um, this is a, a lame response to say, but keep it up. Record it regularly. Get into the habit because your listeners will get used to listening to you and you'll develop enough of a habit where missing a recording feels wrong. If you feel like you're getting into the habit of doing it, then once you, it'll be hard to stop doing it. Um, and so that's, I think, develop that habit and that will take you a long way. And then I guess my last tip is to make sure that your subject matter is built for the long haul. 
if you're struggling for topics, I think it it's sometimes easy to skip out on an episode thinking, you know, maybe next week I will think of something or something will come up in the news that I'll want to talk about. Stick with themes where there's always something new to mine, something new to talk about. You know, we talk about collaboration tools a lot. We talk about tools with an internet focus. Um, there's always something new there, and we're able to, I think, uh, talk about what's coming, what we've been, what, what's, what's been before, what we recommend for lawyers, and that's one way that we've been able to, I think, keep it going is there's never a lack of content or subject matter. Um, that's th- Those were my initial ones, Dennis. I probably left all the good tips for you. What do you have to say? I don't know. You have some good ones there. I mean, I'm going to start with the one that I always start with when uh, people ask, tell me they're thinking about doing a podcast. And I say, you have to conceive of it as a show. I mean, you really have to think of like, okay, this is a show. It has a beginning. It has a middle and an end. You need to think about what, uh, you know, what's going to happen um, in that and how somebody who's listening is going to perceive it as a show. So we, we sort of have three segments in, in how we do this podcast, and we've always done that, and we have a, a little bit of, of persona that we, we've developed over the, the years, which are pretty close to who we are, frankly. But so I would say, and uh, so that's one thing, have a show, uh, figure out how to be authentic, you know, so if you work well with somebody, that's the way to do it. If you like interviewing guests, that's the way to do it. If you if you're uncomfortable interviewing guests, uh, guests, then it won't work out uh, over the the long haul. You know, unless you kind of train yourself. So you want to be authentic. Um, you want to be super interested in your topic, um, and then find a topic that you can see doing uh, for for a long time. So it has to be kind of its own, you know, niche in a way, but also has to be broad enough so that as you change over time, you you can continue to do the podcast. So if you get too specific and then your interests change, it, it can be hard. And then I also think you want to kind of picture where you're going to be at, like after a year, after two years, after three years. And if you can kind of picture where it could go, then I think you're more likely to to have the, the longevity uh, but I will agree with very strongly with one thing that Tom says: you have to have a regular schedule to this, and say like, "Hey, every other Tuesday is is going to be when I, you know, record the podcast." And because if you miss one or you miss two, you're going to miss a hundred of them. I mean, it's like uh, a lot of people start a podcast and they're really strong for four or five episodes, and then they they never record it again. So you so you want to think about that. And then also, um, there's a time piece of it too. So do you want to do it every week? Uh, I can't even imagine doing every day, but I know some people do that. And then how long do you want to make the podcast and kind of get into your comfort zone on that? Because if you say, I want to do a daily podcast or a weekly podcast, you may not be able to do that. But if you did it every two weeks, like we do, you would be perfectly fine. Or you did once, once a month. So all of those things, you know, kind of come to it. So show, new, know who you are, and then to figure out the format that is most comfortable for you. So now it's time for our parting chats at one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. 
So I have two uh, Microsoft 365 tips around uh, support and troubleshooting, um, which I will expand more later, I think, in an upcoming B segment where I can uh, vent a little bit more about these notions. But if you, one, have a business Microsoft 365 account, and if, two, you wind up having trouble with one of the applications, two things to think about. First of all, you can go into the admin console of your Microsoft 365 account, and there is a support area in there, and it is an incredibly powerful area. You type in you type in your problem. I was troubleshooting an issue this weekend, and it the first time I was troubleshooting, it came up with some solutions that absolutely fixed the problem. And I, I mean, it was ten times better than any Google search that I would have done. It. it took me exactly to what I needed, and it solved the problem. Um, the next problem I had, it didn't solve, and then it gave me a button to call to, to, to talk to a real person. I clicked a button. I entered my phone number. Within 10 minutes, Microsoft called me, and they walked me through it. They weren't able to solve it. That's the subject of the B, episode, B, B segment that we'll be talking about later. But it was effortless. It was a great experience. Microsoft really has the support thing down. Um, the other thing I will say very quickly is, is that if you're having problems with one of your M365 applications like Outlook or like Teams, one way to figure out what might be causing the problem is to go to the web version of it. Go to the web-based version of Outlook. Go to the web-based version of Teams or Word or Excel. If you can access that, if you can access documents in that, then you know the problem is with your application and not with Microsoft 365. You know that there's that, that, that the troubleshooting needs to be around Outlook or around Teams or one of the other applications. It's a good starting point. It at least gives me some confidence that I will say right now I am working with Microsoft Teams in the browser than I am in the application because I'm still having some issues with it on my end. Um, but it, it's been interesting being able to do that troubleshooting and it's a useful first couple of steps. We'll cover more later in an upcoming B segment. Dennis. So I have this great find I made when I got dissatisfied with this uh, small Google Home device that I had. Um, and so I bought an Echo Dot with a clock because there's two different different versions of this, which allows me to use the, the Amazon uh, Echo of, in this very small device sitting by my desk for the things that I find most useful, which are timers, reminders. Uh, as Tom told me, like math problems you can do, just just ask. Um, and I'm being careful not to trigger your echoes by, by saying what I would say. But the uh, and then to play music and it's it's small so it's not like you know like great sound but it's 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 really useful and it sits by me and it, it says what the time is and um, it the volume responds in the way that the Google Home did not do for me and it, the volume stays set where it's supposed to say set so very happy with this it's uh, fifty nine dollars but uh, I got it at a, a pretty hefty discount to that. So I would expect, you know, through the end of the year, you're going to see Amazon put it, put it on sale again, but uh, totally worth it for these, these simple tasks and a nice little device that sits by you and just kind of helps you out. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous shows along with transcripts. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can reach us, reach out to us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, uh, or you can leave us a voicemail. As you can see today, you, uh, we love getting voicemail. That voicemail number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us at Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.